thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. Hello, people. People of the world. All over the internet. <laughs> Happy Sunday night to you. Or Monday, or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday, depending on when you're watching. <clears throat> Glad that you're here. We have, um, we are trying to get on Periscope. <clears throat> so give us a minute. Hopefully it will connect. But if you're on YouTube or anywhere else, feel free to share it out, okay? And I'm going to text my people so they know Periscope's not working good. Meanwhile, this is more power to you. More power to you when you're standing on this word. Uh-huh, this is Petra. Your whole heart in the message you have heard. More power to you. scripture we're singing here right okay so be strong in the lord so be strong in the lord and in the power of his mind put on all his armor and fight the good fight in all of our weakness he becomes so strong and he gives us the power When you're trusting with your whole heart in the message you have heard, more power to you. When you're all in one accord, they that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew, they shall renew their strength. Yeah, they will. I can testify that to people. Yeah, I can. All right, looks like Periscope is not working for a lot of people tonight, actually. <laughs> oh, man. You just had it up. You did? Okay, yeah. Well, it looks like there's some other people 
who are heavy hitters in there who are having a hard time getting their people in. <laughs> so it's not just us. Yay! Okay, so I'm going to stop that. Okay. And we're going to mute that so nobody can hear it. Sorry, podcast people. This is live streaming. This is what we do when we're live. We have to do it this way. All right. So. All of their four platforms are up and running just fine, but um, Periscope just can't keep a connection to it. Periscope really needs to figure out what they're going to do because they tend to have a lot of issues, in my opinion. Um, not only, I mean, we have over 6,000 followers on Periscope and maybe five or six people see it. So, you know, clearly our show is spiked. Either that or they don't have, like, you know, they don't want you to um, to see the content. It, it just, it's, it's very irritating. Yeah. Hi, Angie. Angie's over on YouTube. I'm glad you went over there. So we'll probably get more people on YouTube, which is fine. YouTube never really gives us any problems. And I think it's just as easy to chat over there as it is on Periscope. Um, but, uh, yeah. Anyway, so, Randall, should I shut down Periscope on my phone? Or are you um, going to try to keep putting it up? Or I'm going to keep trying. Okay. I'm going to give it my undivided attention. <laughs> undivided attention. Okay. But, um, yeah, keep giving it a shot. All right. Well, um, okay, so... Hey, everybody. Hope you've had a good day. It is Sunday. Yay, it is, which means it's Bible study time. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to start with one article, though. We didn't get to this last night, so we're going to get to it tonight. And I think that, um, um, I think this is an interesting story. Randall actually found this, so it's titled Space for Bible Blessing. Wait, no, that's not right. Space Force. Bible blessing at National Cathedral sparks outrage. Yeah, I don't know how many of you heard about this story, but what I can tell you is that um, it is interesting. This is a story from last month in January, but it seems we're not on five, seven days a week like we used to be. Um, uh, and we only have really two days, give or take, to actually cover news and stuff. Um there's so much news that you don't hear anymore from me because I'm not on here all the time. But this, and if, if I had been, <laughs> probably would have heard this in January. But anyway, so it says here, the blessing of what's being called the official Bible for the new U.S. Space Force at the Washington National Cathedral on Sunday is drawing an outpouring of criticism on social media and condemnation from a prominent religious freedom advocacy group. Uh, and there's a tweet here, looks like, Today at WNC Cathedral blessed the official Bible for the new at Space Force DOD, which will be used to swear in all commanders of America's newest military branch. Um, the Military Religious Freedom Foundation, MRFF, or MRF for short, <laughs> condemns in as full throated a manner as is humanly possible, the shocking and repulsive display of the only most vile, exclusivist, fundamentalist Christian supremacy. Founder and President Mikey Weinstein wrote in a statement denouncing the Bible blessing. The utilization of a Christian Bible to swear in commanders of the new Space Force or any other Department of Defense branch at any level is completely violent, violent, how do you say that? Violative. Violative 
of the bedrock separation of church and state mandate of the First Amendment of the United States Constitution. In a tweet on Sunday, the Washington National Cathedral posted a statement describing the Bible that was blessed during a morning service as a Space Force official Bible, which will be used to swear at all commanders of America's newest military branch, which we just read to you people. Gross, wrote one Twitter respondent, identifying himself as United Church of Christ Pastor Seth Wispelwee of Tucson, Arizona. Um, we don't swear our military oaths on a Bible or any text for that matter, writes Gidget, a self-described veteran in another reply. Stand at attention, right hand up, that's it. At the National Cathedral Ceremony, the U.S. Air Force Chief of Chaplains Major General Stephen something stands in full dress uniform before the congregation holding a King James Bible donated by the Museum of the Bible, a private Washington, D.C. institution whose board chairman is Hobby Lobby President Steve Green. <clears throat> Except this Bible, which we dedicate here today for the United States Space Force, intones the Reverend Randolph Hollerith, Dean of the National Cathedral, that all may so diligently search your holy word and find in it the wisdom that leads to peace and salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The blessing of the Bible also features flattering words for President Trump, who strongly advocated for creating the Space Force from the Episcopal Church's Bishop Suffer... Suffer... How? Suffragan. What does that mean? I'm not entirely sure. Neither it's am I. Just that he's kind of the one that um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, for the armed forces, Almighty God, who set the planets in their courses and the stars in space, the right Reverend Carl Wright implores, look with favor, we pray you upon the commander-in-chief, the 45th president of this great nation, who looked to the heavens and dared to dream of a safer future for all mankind. Wright says the Bible, okay, go ahead and shut that, <clears throat> will be entrusted to General John Raymond, who last month assumed command of the U.S. Space Force. Yeah, he did. The MRFF's Weinstein says he's lodging a formal complaint about the Bible blessing with Defense Secretary Mark Esper to stop this train wreck disaster and its sinking tracks from ever even leaving the station. Weinstein says the official Bible of the U.S. Space Force violates the balance of free exercise of religion and establishment clause in Air Force Instruction 1 to 1, which states that leaders must ensure their words and actions cannot reasonably be construed to be officially endorsing or disapproving of or extending preferential treatment for any faith, belief, or absence of belief. An Air Force spokesperson said in an emailed statement that while the Bible blessed at the National Cathedral will be used to swear in Raymond as Chief of Space Operations, there's no official religious or other sacred text, nor is there any requirement for a member to use any sacred or religious text during swearing-in ceremonies. Being sworn in with or without a Bible, writes Air Force Press Desk Officer Lynn Kirby, will remain a personal choice for each individual swearing-in. And I actually agree with that. I think that, look, if if you're in the military or wherever and you have to take an oath of office, there is, I mean, in my opinion, it's fine if nobody wants to swear on anything. I mean, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. Um, is it nice to have people swear on the Bible? Yeah. And why the Bible, people? You know why? It's because the Bible is God's word. 
And even inside the Bible, it says not to swear by anything. So technically, it's actually violating the Bible when you swear on the Bible. But anyway, right. bareface. <laughs> yeah, and that's the point of what uh, our Lord said there mm -hmm. in, in context. He said, let your... Yes, you know, be yes, yes and your no, no be, be no. no. Because if you have to swear by something else, it's, it's saying I can't be trusted. You know, in a court of law, we're just asked, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? I do. And there doesn't there doesn't have to be a Bible there. But didn't we, when we took our wedding vows, didn't we swear on something? Not that I recall. Well, we didn't. Okay, so maybe we didn't like... We just promised. We we made a promise in a church. Yeah. With, with a pastor. Yes. And 200 and something witnesses. Mm -hmm. Who none of us, barely any of them have anything to do with us today. There the, may be two people out yeah. of the 200. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think of all the weddings I've been to and how little part I am of their lives. Evildoer. And... and Basically holding them accountable to their vows. Ah, Barb just said hi. Hi, Barb. Hi, Mom. How are you? We were actually on Periscope what? for a, a few seconds. We were? Yeah, we finally made a connection. I launched the broadcast, and now it's disconnected again. Oh, whatever. Anyway, so... so um... Yeah, so, again, there's nothing in the Constitution that says a U.S. president has to take oath of office in the Bible. Yet... I can't think of one where it has never been done. Even Barack Hussein Obama, as I recall. Mm, mm, mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he, uh, you know, in, in my lifetime, and I don't know, there could be others in history that did not. There's nothing in the Constitution. It's been a personal preference for the commander of chief to take the oath of office with a hand in a Bible. And so, I mean, that's the commander in chief of all, you know, Military office. Of even the whole of, world. Not a whole world, but of all the U.S. military. Of the whole United States of America. And so... The divided United States of America. Yeah. That's what uh, we are, people. And so, so uh, you know, for for a particular Department of Defense offer, office like the Space Command, you know, if they want to take oath of office in a Bible, so be it. And for those that want to, this particular one, it sounds like from the official Air Force communications, mm -hmm. it's for the, the chief, you know, whatever, Raymond, who's, who's going to, and he wanted to do it. And so these, these, um, these clergy in Washington, D.C. got together and blessed a Bible, whatever the heck that means. I, I don't see a lot of, you know, it's ceremonial. I, there's, there's nothing, I mean, I could see people people of faith taking issue with it and that it's 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 ceremonial fluff really i mean a blessed bible the bible is blessed i mean it's the word of god it doesn't it doesn't require any clergy to lay hands on it and make it any holier it is the holy bible um so yeah and there's a little inscription in there and stuff like that so it's you know, it's like a dedication Bible. You know, it's it, it's cool. You know, if that's what they want to do with their oath of office, so be it. You know, power to them. Any idea that it's, you know, violates the supposed separation of church and state in the First Amendment, which which limits the powers of Congress. It has nothing to do with separating church and state. Um, yeah. 
That's, well, that's what I think. I could go on, but... Well, Mikey Weinstein, my friend Dr. Chaplain Gordon James Klingenschmidt, refers to him as an atheist complainer. complainer. yeah. And the, obviously he's Jewish. He needs the Lord. He needs to accept Yeshua as his Savior and Lord. Uh, and he's so volatile. I mean, he's got anger problems, clearly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I kind of feel sorry for him. I kind of wish I could meet him in person and just say, hey, dude. You need a hug. Shalom. You know, in Jesus' name. Don't hate me. No, I mean, nobody could hate me. Actually, very, very, uh, very few uh, people. So Sean says, Twitch is out also. Now I'm here. Well, now it's complete. Our audience is now complete because our, our Sean showed up. Oh, you know, well, you know my brother's name is Sean too but my brother spells it right you spell it wrong but correctly whatever anyway bygones so uh it's an irish gaelic name so. <laughs> i know I a lot of correctly, <laughs> uh, correctly would be using the original runes of uh but you know with a latin alphabet that's the way it came out just saying and yet, Sean still spells my name wrong. He puts an E in it. Sometimes he'll send me messages with E in my name, and I'm like... I'm going to try Periscope again. It seemed to... Right there. Look. See? There's no E, people. Ugh. Okay. Anyway. So, uh, so I want to talk briefly... Please do. ...about wolves and sheep's clothing. Mm-hmm. So this morning I was listening to a sermon by Pastor Billy Crone, who I love. He is cute, he smells good, and he's awesome. <laughs> I that we probably need to talk about this I, author. I, 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 <laughs> I'll explain that. Okay, so when I was at the Prophecy Watchers conference, <laughs> he he wears cologne. Okay, I'm just saying. He the very first time I met him, he was like he's short. First of all, he's short, and he's like just a barely taller than me so he's a short man he's not tall and um anyway the first time i met him at the the prophecy watchers conference um he walked by and i was like wow he smells pretty good he wears cologne a lot of people you know any i don't meet that many people men in particular that wear cologne it's kind of weird i mean bareface doesn't wear cologne but anyway um uh but he he is a very I use aftershave. Yeah. Okay, well anyway, he's a very um bold believer because he used to be in the cult and stuff like that. Anyway, he's been doing this series, long series on on the cult and um and anyway, recently he started doing another series kind of um I'm trying to remember the exact title of it, but excuse me, my peanut butter sandwich that I had for dinner um, just made me hiccup. Um, hold on, I will tell you what it is. Okay, so he's done a series on charismatic chaos, but then, yeah, he's doing this other series. Actually, this was a, a sermon from a couple years ago. It's called The Satanic Invasion of Church, I think in the last days is what it's supposed to be called. Um, and any, anyway, and then he's done this other one called 
modern technology and the AI invasion part one, and then the coming AI apocalypse. Anyway, he's got all these really interesting messages that he, he does, but he talks a lot about, um, you know, he talks a lot about, um, uh, people who pretend to be believers who are among us and, he talks about how there's witches that come into churches and try to divide them and people don't know that they're witches and warlocks. Uh, he talks about how sometimes God, um, not God, but sometimes demon-possessed people will come in and they'll pretend to be believers, but they're not. They come in to divide and everything. And so I was listening to this this morning before I went to church and I thought, you know, it's actually true. And I was sharing this with somebody. I'm going to share it with you. So in the beginning, let's say you get an apple seed, okay? So a little apple seed, you know, they're little black things. You can crack open an apple and see a seed in the middle of it. Do you know inside that seed is an apple tree? It just needs to be planted, watered, so it can grow and it becomes an apple tree, right? So the apple tree, when it produces fruit, it produces apples, because it's an apple tree, right? Just like other types of trees. But here's the thing. The reason the tree produces fruit isn't for itself, right? The tree doesn't produce fruit because it needs to eat apples. It produces apples so that it can be shared and given out amongst the people, right? So just like you and me, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, etc. Um... Yes, the fruit is produced in our lives so that we can give it out. And yes, hopefully we'll be the recipient of other people who have that fruit in their life so that they can give it to us people. That's what believers have the blessing of, of looking for, right? Producing good fruit, giving away fruit, and accepting fruit. Well, we all bear some types of fruit. And fake believers, so-called believers, so-called wolves in sheep clothing, um, pretend that their good fruit is there. But in reality, it's not. It's usually the fruit of the flesh, which is anger and pride and dissension and jealousy, envy, slander, gossip, all that stuff. You know, there's a whole bunch. There's a much longer list of the fruit of the flesh than there is the fruit of the spirit. Um, so I want to encourage you people to be aware, you know, of not only of what people say, but whether or not it's in its fruit, even as it was preached in keeping with repentance, because if you're not a real believer and you're pretending to be one, you know, there's going to be that very sad day when the Bible says that some will say to me, Lord, Lord, I did all this stuff to you, for you in your name, etc. He's going to say, hey, I never knew you. Adios, dude. See ya. Capiche. Out the door. You know, it, you know, I, who are you? Bye. And then they will they will be rewarded with, you know, hell as their reward, right? I mean, who likes to talk about hell, right? But 
Hell is a real place that a lot of people, more people are going to go than heaven or paradise, whatever you want to refer to it as. And the reality is, is that we live in very dark and deceptive days. And there are people out there pretending to be pretend who are pastors, who are so-called elders, deacons, members of the church, etc., who are not real. And in fact, one of the stories that Billy shared was he shared about how, and I'm not sure how he heard it. I think he heard it from a guy that was in the seminary who conveyed the story to him. But the story was that the, 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 the main teacher, the leader of the seminary uh, was getting ready to graduate a class. And he said, I got one more question for all of you guys. And this is what it is. The question is, how many of you actually believe any of this stuff that we've been teaching you? Or you don't believe it, I think is how it was phrased. And all of a sudden, all these hands went up. And then his hand went up, the guy teaching it. So if you have loads of people in the church who are, or in the seminary, you know, who are, who are going into seminaries in order to become pastors because they want to be influential in people's lives and all they have to do is be religious, but they really don't believe God's word, then what kind of fruit would you expect from that body of Christ, right? That body, that church, <clears throat> you know, the older I get, the more, um, the more I understand the verse where Jesus said that he entrusted himself to no man. <laughs> it's in, it's in the gospel of John, by the way. And I have to tell you, that that's a scary and it's a sad statement because it says that he entrusted himself to no man because he knew it was in the heart of man, you know. So another story that Billy Crone, Pastor Billy Crone shared was about how the enemy places people in churches in order to go after believers. So like he shared this other story about how um, there was a revival, um, you know, how some churches have revival meetings. Well, this guy shows up during this revival meeting and, and decided that he was going to go and start laying hands on people, you know, and this elderly lady, she walked up to him with her Bible and said, looked at him and said, you know what? You are not of God. Get out of here. And he kind of tried to, you know, basically say, you're full of, you're crazy, you know, basically. And this lady, the way Billy reports it is that she had a Bible and she started hitting this guy saying, get out of here. You're not of God. Get out of here. I know who God's people are. And eventually she just smacked that guy with the Bible enough to where he left. Another thing, he said, we don't advocate that people. <laughs> Literally hitting somebody with the Bible is probably not a good thing. But, um, but there was another one where there was a baby believer in the church, they had just got born again, and they were dating a guy. And this guy purported to be a Christian. And then all of a sudden, one afternoon, this young woman, um, I guess, showed up to her boyfriend's house who was going to her, uh, going with her to church. And uh, I guess looking in the room or something, he didn't know it, but she happened to spy that he had an altar set up to Satan at his house and was summoning 
all this stuff so that he could be empowered as a high priest in the satanic world. Um, and I know this might sound crazy to some people. It doesn't to me because I've actually met people who have been in that world and that God has delivered and come out of. And then he talked about um, another um, thing where um, basically the enemy brings people into the church. And by the way, you can read the book of Jude. It's not long. It talks about this. Um, but, you know, they bring people into the church. And he talked about how as a pastor, when somebody new comes in and starts talking about how great he is and he's the answer to, you know, he's such a great pastor and blah, blah, blah. He said immediately all these red flags go up. But there are people that get into churches, they jump into every ministry possible, and they create dissension within the church by gossip and all this other stuff. And, and that's how churches get brought down. It's because of the fruit of that. And here's the thing. The reason these evildoers are able to get away with it is because often the leadership is... Um, wimpy, I guess that's a nice word of putting it nice. Um, trying to think of the right word, but basically they don't, they don't, uh, they don't, um, incorporate Matthew 18. They don't do any church discipline. Um, and so churches get split. They divide because of this. And then the last story he shared about was how, I think it was the church family had been in this church for like a hundred years. Um, and there was always problems in the church. The gospel could could never really go far. And every time there was a good gospel minister, somehow they got they they ended up ending ended up leaving the church. And it came out after like fifty years that the, the I call it the puppet master family that was there just happened to be a line of witches that had cursed that whole church. So all that to say that I lead into Bareface's teaching tonight with this word of exhortation, and that is consider the fruit that you bear and how you give it to other people, but also consider what you're taking from the fruit of other people and what type of fruit people are passing on to you. I can tell you personally that right now um, I am under definite spiritual attack um, on at least three different levels. And, you know, I'm just sitting here and I'm I'm laughing internally, really, because there's a part of me that wants to cry because I'm like, Lord, really? You know, people in Jesus name are doing things that they know that they they know they should not be doing to us. And yet they are. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> And I have to tell you, I have a sister uh, in the Lord in Legal Shield who's walking beside me right now. And she's, you know, she's like, Stace, I'm going to, I'm here for you, you know, because, because some stuff's going on there. But I just have to tell you, be very, very careful and be discerning. Pray for discernment um, because I believe the days are getting darker. I and mean, when we talk about politics and stuff, you know, just be very careful. That's all I got to say. The only thing that you can trust is God's word, right? And I just ask that you would, you know, keep us in prayer. And if you're, if you are one of those of the devil, you can save your prayers for somebody else. But if you're a godly person, feel free to pray <laughs> and put on your armor, people. 
All right. So also I want to thank Ariel Ministries, our sponsor for sponsoring our show. Please go over there. You still got time to use the coupon code Bible News anytime. Um, when, um, um, when you go to Ariel.org, I would really encourage you to. Don't forget, you guys, look, when you begin to understand the Bible from the Hebrew context in which it's written and also, you know, the Old, the Old Testament, if you understand the Bible, learn from somebody who gets it. I mean, who's actually in the word, who reads it, who gets the history and all that, you, your life will change. You'll, you'll open up the Bible and you won't go, oh, this is such a boring book. You'll open up the Bible and go, oh my gosh, there's so much in here. I can't wait to know more. That's what Ariel Ministries did for Randall and I. Um, and so check them out. All right. Okay. Also, if you want to donate to our show, it's easy to do. Just go to BibleNewsRadio.com forward slash give and give to your heart's content. Uh, we, we need the money. I mean, it's, it's, there's no ifs, ands, or <laughs> buts about it. We need it. Uh, and if you value our, um, what we do here, you know, our faithfulness to the Lord and exercising the gifts that he's given us to, to the world, then please donate to the show. doesn't matter how much we just appreciate any amount. Um, also please pray for our dog, Tuggy Bear. Um, we don't know if he's on his last leg or not. He's, he's been, um, you know, we had to take him to the vet. And this is part of the reason, I mean, anyway, long story short, you know, we're going to end up having to take him to the vet tomorrow again. Um, you know, he's not eating and he's mm, kind of, he's not really standing well, you know, and stuff. So we think he has a uh, back issue probably, or he could have Cushing's disease, which, which is a, a disease dogs get. And, you know, we've been kind of wondering that for a while, but whatever the case is, it's going to cost us money we don't really have. So we just ask for your prayer for wisdom and the best care that we can give our dogs, because unlike a lot of people, we think that, you know, the Bible says in Proverbs that the righteous care for their animals, right? The righteous care for their, their animals. So obviously we're not going to, you know, take our dog and drop them off at the end of the road and let somebody else find them. I would never do that, but it's, we've put out a lot of money on this dog, way more money than we've ever put out on either of us. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, so there's that also legal shield. Hey, you know what? You guys know I sell legal shield and ID shield. Um, I am an honest person. You can buy it from, let's put it that way. <laughs> um, and, um, if you, uh, if you're in need of needing, to get your will done. Uh, if you want to protect your identity with our services, just get in touch with me and I can sign you up for that. It's a great service. Um, and I'm happy to provide it for you whenever you want to sign up for it. Um, and Carol, you are beloved says Jezebel spirit. A member found a satanic ritual book hidden behind room divider in our sanctuary. And that church eventually split up. Well, there you go. I mean, that's, that's a perfect, um, thing. And Angie, thanks for praying for us. Totally appreciate it. Um, yeah, doing, doing okay. All right. So that's, that's pretty much my part of the show. Now, if you want to leave, you can go have a good evening. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm messing with my husband. That was mean. Look at that. I just couldn't help it. What do uh, you say? They come for you, but they stay for me. Yeah. So. They, they come for me. Cause I'm, you know, whatever. Charming. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's it. And my hair is turning colors. Okay, here's... My hair is driving me crazy, people. So this morning, I decided I was going to put this gel stuff on my hair. Like, when it was wet, and then I tried to blow dry it. So that's why it looks flatter than normal. Yeah. Anyway, I need to get it cut still. So... Okay, Bareface, so we're going to talk about First John tonight. Yes, we are making our way through First John. We're going to finish up Chapter 4, Lord willing, and hopefully get into Chapter 5. I'm not prideful, Sean, just so you know, and I saw you retracted your message. Good good that you repented so fast. (laughs) I saw that, mister. (laughs) You are so busted. (laughs) Okay, all right, Randall, go ahead. All right. Um, you know, we've been making our way through First John, and if you've been with us the whole time, great. If not, um, keep in mind that whether you're just joining, you're, if you're just familiar with the book, in the first chapter, what we call the first chapter, this, this uh, general letter to the churches that the Apostle John wrote, he said that this is the message which we have heard from him being him being Yeshua, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. He said that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And it's really profound. It's not some metaphysical, you know, drug influence thing. You know, Yeshua talked about a lot of things, the Sermon on the Mount, all of that discourse. He was seen to them, you know, for 40 days after his resurrection, telling the things of the kingdom of God. But this overall is the message that um, overlays and underlies everything that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. There is no gray area. There isn't an, well, I don't know. It could be, you know, in Hebrews, uh, the writer uh, admonishes the readers and says, by this time you ought to be teachers. And he talks about having uh, basically your, your faith and your senses exercised so that you're able to discern good from evil. Not that you're able to discern, you know, things that could fall either way or no. There's good and there are evil. Sometimes it gets complicated. And as we mature in our faith, mature in our relationship with Messiah, we're able to discern uh, what is what is good and what is evil. Nothing gray in there. It's good or it's evil. And it reminds me of what the writer of Hebrews also tells us in chapter 4, that the word of God is living and active, able to discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Um, you know, that it, piercing asunder soul and spirit, that it makes that clear divide. You know, the idea of that double-edged sword is that it pierces, not that it's sharp cuts but you know double-edged sword is sharpened to a point and that it pierces and just you know divide things you know at the level that other things wouldn't oh got some tunes going here um so yeah so let's get into it let's get into it prayerfully i um always uh, strongly encourage whenever you're going to read the scripture to do so prayerfully and i'm about to read the scripture and hope you're reading along with me and so let's do so prayerfully shall we 
Father God, you're an awesome God, worthy of all glory, all honor, all blessing. Uh, power and praise belong to you. We are so grateful for this, thy word, which has been preserved throughout the ages, through millennia, and is still living and active, speaks to our hearts, speaks to our souls, is able to pierce uh, you know, and divide soul and spirit, Lord, and, and, uh, you know, uh, yeah, make plain, uh, discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart, even. Uh, so help us to be compliant, Lord, open ourselves up that your word might teach us, show us, uh, lead us in the way that we ought to go. We offer ourselves in this time to you, to use as you will, for our good and for your glory. We ask in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah. All right, First John chapter 4. Um, make sure I've got it up here, yeah. Oh, it shows that we're on Periscope now. Yes, yep. I was able to finally get it to cooperate. Awesome. I was, yeah, so we're on Periscope. Yeah. All right, so um, in what we call Chapter Four, again, there were no chapters in the letter; it was just one long letter, but divided into chapters and verses for our convenience to uh, reference things. But recall the beginning of the chapter. Um. Um, John's talking about testing the spirits and what Stace was talking about earlier. Uh, we ought to be able to discern the uh, good and evil. Not everyone, you know, not all the spirits are good. Um, uh, and those, you know, in, in prophecies, you know, um, and prophets with a small p. There's many false prophets out there. And, and those basically confess that you know, the Messiah has come to us. Uh, the Word has become flesh and dwelt among us. That is someone uh, of the God, of God. And talks about loving one another. And about how God's love is demonstrated. And that he sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And, and so I want, he continues on this idea of love. And if you were to take some of these verses out of context, you might be inclined to say, well, if anything, anything that is, is loving is of God, uh, that, you know, whatever religion it might be, whatever philosophy it might be, if it's about love, then it's love and it's all good. It's all God. You know, many roads, uh, you know, lead to God or all roads lead to God, some would say. But we must look at things in context. Beginning with verse 15 here in chapter 4. This was repeated earlier and in a similar way that those who confess that uh, Yeshua, Jesus, is the Son of God, you know, is of God. But he says it in this way, Whoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him and he in God. Now the word uh, confess here uh, in the Greek, amologese, is um, literally means the same set or saying the same thing. Um, it's you know we think don't confuse confess with profess. 
that making a profession, that just saying with the mouth, uh, Jesus is the Son of God. Uh, because as Paul writes to the Romans, he said, if you confess with your mouth, uh, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God is raised from the dead, you'll be saved. And such is the idea with this word, English word, confess, in the King James, uh, amalagese in the uh, Greek. And if we look at how it's used in the Septuagint, uh, the Greek translation of the, the Old Testament, Hebrew Old Testament, it's often associated with praise and celebration. So it's not just simply saying that Jesus is the Son of God. People can mouth those words and not be indwelt of God nor in fellowship with God. But it's an actual celebrating that, praising that, saying it sincerely, making a confession of faith, not just a confession of doctrine. So whoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us, or toward us. That would be a little more modern English. God is love, and he that dwells in love dwells in God, and God in him. And I've seen things like this, where this is taken way out of context, and they say, well, God is love, so anything loving is of God. We know someone that's godly or in touch with God, the universe, you know, whatever you conceive him or it or her to be, that as long as it's, uh, as long as it's love, it's approved of by God. And, you know, because God is love, so anytime we experience any kind of love, we're experiencing God, and that, you know, we're, we're dwelling in him, and and he's dwelling in us whenever we experience love. But of course, in the English language, we just have one word for love. Whether it's, I love my dog, I love, you know, I love chocolate ice cream, or, you know, I love the Lord. Uh, they're all different kinds of love. And, you know, the Koine Greek is particular and making distinctions of type of love. And whenever it talks about the love of God, it is the agape love. And, and that is a selfless, sacrificial kind of love. And that was demonstrated. You know, God demonstrates his love, agape, agape for us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's a selfless, sacrificial uh, love. A love of will uh, rather than a love of emotion. It's... Um, it's the love that's demonstrated, again, um, uh, sacrificially and selfless, selflessly. I can speak, really I can. And so, God is love, that's his nature. Just like God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. God is love, and, and a pure love. And he that dwells in love, that agape love, dwells in him, and God in him. There's only one. There's only one source of that love. There's only one origin of that love, and that's God. This this true agape love. Uh, we can have it for God. We can return it to God. We can have it for uh, brothers and sisters in the congregation. But it begins with God, and and um, and and uh, John says as much as we get in to verse 19 we'll get there but so that this love uh, that God is that's his nature uh, it's, it's not a it's not a, it's not an um, 
purely emotional love. It's not uh, eros or erotic love. Uh, it has. It's, it's not a romantic love. It is this selfless, selfless, sacrificial uh, love. And just being a philanthropist doesn't make you someone who's dwelling in God and God in you. And so that's why we need to take the whole context because verse 17, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. So, well, let me take the next verse. Uh, there is no fear in love, but perfect love, not a human love, but godly love. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. That's where this kind of love comes that John is talking about. It's not that something that we come up, um, that we manufacture, that, you know, because we're good people. We love because God first loved us. It must originate with God because it's, it's the only source of agape love is God. And he must place it in us uh, before we can return it to him or have it for our, our fellow man. Uh, it begins with God. And... And if his love is perfected in us, we really understand that God demonstrates his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, then there's no fear in love. That perfect love casts out fear. When, because we'll have boldness the day of judgment. We know that we are not, we know that we are not in danger of judgment uh, when God's love has been born in us. Um, that we, we don't have to stand trial for God for our actions uh, because we understand the, the perfect love of God uh, which redeems us, uh, which resulted in uh, Christ giving himself. God demonstrates his love and that while we are sinners, Christ died for us, uh, you know, making the propitiation for our sins. Uh, God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And when we to we get that, I don't know if we can ever totally get it, but when we apprehend or, you know, ascertain it to level, to realize that there is no judgment, uh, because as he is, so are we in this, in this world. Though we may be in this world, we are not of this world. Uh, as he was altogether separate, sinless in the when he walked this earth, uh, even in human flesh. So as he is, so are we also in this world. Is he is he is not only as he was, but as he is, you know, um, transcendent in the heavenlies, uh, seated at the right hand of power. Even as he is, so we are in this world because of what he has done for us. We are positioned and privileged in the same way that we are seated in the heavenlies from god's perspective we are we have we are heirs of of his righteousness we are heirs of his kingdom we are children of god and if we get that if you know if we get that that love is perfected in us there is no there is no fear of judgment a perfect love casts out all fear um 
you know, when we say, well, I hope I make it to heaven, then I would say his love, that agape love, has not been perfected in us. Um, we ought to have boldness in the day of judgment, John says. Um, you know, herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Just not, not just a, a lack of fear, not afraid of judgment, um, feeling calm about the day of judgment, but, but may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so we are in this world. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. Because fear has torment. He that fears is not may been perfect in love. We need to be um, perfect in this love. And there was another, there was another verse as I was talking about that that went through my mind and, and went out. Um, that was it. The writer of Hebrews talks about because we have this great high priest, uh, Yeshua, the Messiah, and what he's done for us, and by his blood, we've been made righteous. Um, that we can come boldly before the throne of grace to find help in time of need. Um, this access that we've been given to the heavenlies uh, in our, you know, our legal authority, spiritual position as very children of God that there ought to be a boldness. There ought to be a boldness about us uh, coming to the throne of grace to find help in time of need. And when it comes to the day of judgment, there ought not be any intimidation whatsoever, but even a boldness, the opposite of that, when we're perfected in his love, if we really get it. And I want to talk a little bit about... Um, uh, about this, um, John also writes, you know, this, this idea that somehow just anything that's of any kind of love, human love, you know, philanthropic love, whatever it is, that somehow, um, you know, I'm godly, you know, that, that love is love. We hear, well, that's like saying apples are apples. I mean, that's, you're not defining anything. To say love is love, that doesn't mean anything. Um, I think people are trying to say, well, if it feels loving, if it's all about, you know, doing good to someone, then it's it's good, it's good, you know, it's it's next to godliness. But no, it's not. There's only one source of love, agape love, and that's God. I want to remind us of John chapter three or John chapter one, actually. Uh, John chapter one, uh, verse twelve, the Gospel of John. But as many received him. Is that as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God or children of God, even to them that believe on his name. Those that receive him and believe on his name become children of God, which were born not of blood. It's not something we can inherit. We don't become, uh, we don't become Christians or followers of Messiah by inheritance. Uh, you can't be a Christian because your parents were Christian. It's not passed on in DNA. It's it's not of blood. It's not something of family lines that oh it's a long you know a long family of Christians. Well, it's, it's not by <laughs> it's not by anything passed through blood. It's not it's not a physical inheritance. It's not a DNA thing. Um, God has ch God has no grandchildren, only children, and and the children not born of blood. Nor of the will of the flesh, that is, the personal will. I can't say, well, I'm going to be a Christian 
I've decided, you know, or I'm going to make myself godly. You know, I'm going to be right with God. Um, you know, I'm going to be in God. God's going to be me because I said so. I decided. The will of the flesh. It's not something personal. Nor the will of man. It's not something that someone can confer upon you by some decree or doctrine. Now, you might get a certificate of baptism. You might get a certificate of church membership. You might even be ordained by some denomination. <laughs> that doesn't make you right with God. That doesn't make you in God and God in you. It, it's, it's not something that's, that's passed through blood. It's not inheritance. It's not something that you can will yourself. It's not a blood, nor the will of man. It's not something that can be conferred upon you by your fellow man, but of God, born of God. As many received him, he gave the power to become children of God, even them believe on his name, which were born, not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. That is, that is the, only, the only possibility for being right with God in God and God in you being in God God being in you and what happens is it originates from God uh, born of him uh, because of what he's done and us simply uh, receiving believing and receiving what he's done I hope you don't feel like I'm going too far off the track here but I just thought it was real important when people will take Verses out of context. Oh, well, God is love, so everything loving is is of God, and whatever whatever religion you follow, whatever philosophy you follow, whatever relationship you're in, is all. Hey, as long as it you know it's loving, that it is a godly. No, it's not. <laughs> the love that the Scripture talks about is the love of God, the agape love, has only one source, God, and it's not something that. We inherit or we choose or someone chooses for us. It's not being born of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God, which comes through believing and receiving. All right. So when we're perfected in this love that he originated, you know, we love him because he first loved us. Then not only are we not fearing judgment day, we're bold judgment day. Conversely, verse 20, if a man say, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he that loves not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this is the commandment we have from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Remember when the uh, the biblical scholar um, can't remember if it was a, a scribe or a, or a lawyer, a lawyer, a lawyer. Um, but anyway, but um, someone uh, very familiar with the Torah asked Yeshua, asked Jesus, he said, "Which is the greatest commandment?" Because there are six hundred thirteen in there. What was the reply? Uh, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Uh, from Deuteronomy. And he said, the second one is like it. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. That those are those are great commands. Uh, you know, boiled down to two, 
that's what God expects. First of all, to love him in response to the love that he has for you. You know, respond to his love. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And if you look at the Ten Commandments, they're like that. And the first table of the law have to do with loving God. And, and the, you know, the first four and the remaining six have to deal with loving our fellow man. And so this is another one of those, um, those tests of discerning good from evil. Like at the beginning of this chapter, everyone, you know, every spirit that confesses not that Jesus has come in the flesh, that he actually, you know, the, the eternal son of God uh, took on human flesh. Whoever rejects that, there, that, you know, Whatever spirit rejects that, be it a doctrine or an individual or a small p prophet, whatever, they're not of God. And here is another one of those tests, you know, darkness and light. <laughs> None of this shades of gray or, or you know, shadowy, murky, unsure thing. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Um, if... If a man say, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he that loves not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this is the commandment that we have from him, that he who loves God loves his brother also. Um, this agape love that we respond to, again, not inherited, not by our own will, not somebody else's will, but born of God, when we believe and receive him, it manifests itself in loving God and loving our brother, loving our brothers and sisters. And and if someone says, yeah, I love God, but I hate, I hate him or I hate her, um, then, you know, they're lying. Whether they're lying about hating, no, they're lying about loving God because um, they may love God intellectually or philosophically or from a... Um, you know, uh, just uh, an emotional sort of way. Oh, I love God. You know, I just feel this thing for him. Uh, but if it's truly the love that John is writing about here, that agape love, born in us, born of God, God first loved us, we return the love to him, that selfless, sacrificial agape love, then that is also going to be manifested, not only loving God, but loving uh, our brother. doesn't mean we like everything that everyone does. You know, there are some things that people do that really annoy me, to be quite honest. But I see them, whether they are members of a congregation or without God, they're godless people. I see them as... as as Yeshua did, I don't mean to put myself in his his shoes, or but you know, we read in the Gospels that uh, at one point that he was moved with compassion, looking at the the you know looking at the masses because he saw them as a sheep without a shepherd, and I see that I I don't know what to do about half the time. I guess I should pray uh, pray for them. But a hatred for someone where I don't want, you know, or see harm come to them or whatever. Or I see them as less than made in the image of God. And, and 
and having intrinsic holy value just because they're made in his image. Uh, they may be marring that image uh, with their behavior, but they have, there's a certain sanctity and holiness intrinsic in every human person because they're created in the image of God. Um, I certainly do a better job of, of loving others, but um, if, if there's a hatred that you hold for someone, you know, especially someone of the household of faith, you know, as they say, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Um, you know, some people will read Psalm, um, um, is it 139, the end of Psalm 139? I believe so, yeah. Um, where David talks about, uh, you know, not only God has fearfully and wonderfully made him, but at the end he says, you know, I love you. Don't, don't I hate those who hate you, God? I, I hate them with a perfect hatred. You know, and you could take that out of context and say, see? See, that's the Bible, and, and loving God, you can hate people. But how does that psalm end? David says, search me, Lord. Know, search me, Lord. Know my heart. You know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the everlasting way. He had this passion. God, I love you so much that I hate those people who hate you. But he's open to God. If there's any wicked way in me, this maybe this isn't right. I mean, he was sensitive to that. That, um, you know, having this perfect hatred toward people just might not be of God. So, yeah. And and the Word of God tells us to to, you know, to do good and to share, especially with those of the household of faith. So certainly if there's someone in the congregation that, that we hold hatred toward, like we want to see them fall, we want to see, you know, there's, just, there's, a, there's a grudge, there's, a, uh, there's an ill feeling toward them, then I think we need to get that checked out, people. Um, because that's not the love of God. Well, but then there's, if they, you see, <laughs> God is light in him is no darkness at all. And, and we play these games sometimes, try to rationalize this, you know, excuse that. And well, this is kind of a, uh, uh, no, no, it's not. Um, we ought to be maturing in our faith and part, and and the reason for maturing in faith, the writer of Hebrews says, is to discern good from evil. And that's not to identify the gray areas and the ways it could go either way. And things that, well, they're kind of relative. <laughs> it's to discern good from evil. There's, there's not a middle. Just like there's male and female. There's light and darkness. Um, anything that's not light is some shade of darkness. It's light taken away. Darkness is the absence of light. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's good or it's evil. It's not somewhere in between, <laughs> you know, there's male and there's female. There's not somewhere in between or outside of, um, that's God has in his grace and his mercy and his wisdom has made things simple for us that, uh, we don't have, we don't have to discern between 
500 things and find out, you know, what, what column it fits in. You know, there isn't good on one extreme, evil on the other extreme, and 300 things in between that, no. So, God grant us the ability to discern good from evil, love from hate, light from dark, and um, live in a way that pleases Him. So, with that, I do pray that um, God give us, give us wisdom, help us be perfected in your love, or that we might not only discern good from evil, light from dark, um, death from life, Lord, but we might uh, live in a way that is brings glory to you and is a blessing to those around us. Help us to love you and to love our neighbor as ourselves. We ask in the name of Yeshua. And chapter 5, I guess, is next week. There we go, people. Yeah, we do. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you guys for uh, tuning in. Sorry, Periscope was uh, kind of glitchy. So thank you for coming over on Periscope, those of you who did. And um, thank you, everybody, for your prayers, for your donations, for your love and support. <clears throat> Bareface and I actually appreciate it a lot yeah we do my urge is hmm? very much very much he's whispering proper english yeah he is all right anyway uh let's see i think i don't think that we have an interview coming up this weekend yet but don't forget next month we will be interviewing jeff kinley about his book interview with the antichrist which hopefully we'll never see, just so you know. All right, I think that's it. So thank you guys for tuning in. I uh, hope you have a good week. We should be back on Friday. And um, if you're a personal friend of mine on Facebook, most likely you'll be seeing me doing my semi-daily updates. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But uh, I'm also updating over on TikTok, uh, trying to do stuff on Instagram. It's just so hard. There's so many things to do an update uh but you can get in touch with us that way so all right that's it if i could i'd hug you all yeah i could okay talk to you later wait be bold stand up <laughs> and go with god people because he loves you okay bye